This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. Where the money came from, the political history of the biofuel industry. The motivation for the U.S. ethanol industry is seated in national security policy. We were paying money to foreign oil producers to buy oil who used the revenue in ways intending to harm us. We were funding our enemies. Then a Texas oilman, George W. Bush, became president and put the interest of U.S. national security front and center, signing the Renewable Fuel Standard. The RFS into law incorporating biofuel into the U.S. energy mix. It was not a small thing as we replaced oil and biofuel for 10% of our U.S. motor fuel, an amount that is growing with adoption of E15 and work being done toward utilizing higher blends. Personally, I have Dodge V8 non-flex fuel Hemi engines in my vehicles, for which E30 is the ideal ethanol blend. There was a reason that Brazil's standard ethanol blend was E27. They did not have a big oil opponent, as the U.S. biofuel industry has had to contend with, distorting their fuel infrastructure and regulatory system. Off the record, my Dodge dealer shop manager once said that non-flex fuel engines can burn E30 without problems. I've used it for many years with very positive experience. The creation of a biofuels industry has been a boon to the rural ag economy. A technological breakthrough from oil production fracking and our proximity to friendly neighbors with oil on this continent has, in my opinion, fully deflated the threat from U.S. dependence in foreign oil. We now control our energy destiny. Barack Obama followed George W. as president and did not have the enthusiasm toward biofuel that his predecessor had. Ethanol has a political constituency that Obama did not wish to provoke, but his energy policy was flat and the president rarely ever mentioned biofuel, avoiding use of the word ethanol during his tenure. He had been told by his environmental advisors that ethanol was politically incorrect. The ethanol industry and our energy independence developed in spite of Obama. The President Donald J. Trump that followed was even more complex on the issue of energy. Then again, maybe his take was simpler. Our Governor Terry Branstad at the time of the GOP 2015 Iowa primary was a strong ethanol supporter, and his son worked as an ethanol industry advocate. Trump was convinced that the path to winning the Iowa caucuses lay through support for the ethanol industry, and I heard him speak to the Iowa Renewable Fuels Association Summit, promoting his love and support for the industry. Then he lost the primary to Ted Cruz from Texas to oppose ethanol carrying water for big oil. And Trump decided that the Iowa ethanol industry had let him down, making him a loser. That didn't go well. And Trump quickly jumped into the big oil camp, approving RFS RIN waivers costing the ethanol industry 1.5 billion gallons of demand. Now we have the Biden administration in office. The RIN waivers approved by the prior administration have essentially stopped. The biofuel industry was included in COVID aid. After protracted delays, statutory volumetric production levels have finally been posted. E15 has been advanced, and new carbon-friendly biofuel incentives have been significantly expanded. This probably makes Joe the most biofuel-friendly president since George W., yet there are still regulatory issues that require implementation regarding year-round use of E15 that remain outstanding that has strained the patience of the Iowa Renewals Fuel Association waiting for the administration to execute. They are well past the obligatory date for implementation with no explanation. 
One of the ironies about the political backdrop of the ethanol biofuel industry is that in this age of political polarization, there's been both bipartisan support and bipartisan opposition to the RFS and biofuel industry. Support and opposition have not followed party lines as much as they have constituency-driven policy lines. These lines are drawn regionally by industry interests. Ideology has impacted it as some reject mandates of any kind, and others accept those that benefit them. Texas oil and cattle hate ethanol with a passion, with Midwest corn and soybean farmers dominantly embracing it. There is lack of conformity, even relative to region, as George W. was obviously an oil man from Texas, who was the father of the RFS, and there are farmers in Iowa ideologically opposed to any standard set by government. The irony relative to political polarization extends further into the now-fledging development of the CO2 pipeline projects. Left-wing extremes, Sierra Club, ICCI organizations, have joined with the MAGA right-wing to oppose CO2 sequestration, pitting both those political extremes against the middle. I advocate for the ag industry and am attempting to explain CO2 sequestration and its impact on the ag economy in future reports. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits.